the nine-year-old stopped headbutting his grandmother. He got a weird grin on his face and then walked backward up a wall and to the ceiling, then flipped over Campbell and landed on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand. He dislocated to do this. Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <gasps> no! <laughs> No! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. We are buttoned thoroughly. We have been thoroughly buttoned by the button. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hello, dear friends, loved ones. Welcome. We're gathered here today. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we could start that way. To celebrate this thing called life. <laughs> <sighs> so how I got are you? Prince stuck in my head. <laughs> you guys have to understand we record two episodes at a time. So we yeah. just finished recording last week's episode. Yeah. So we took a break for lunch. We're back. We did. I'm not gonna lie. I did do some like helpful don't be scared visualizations by saying, <laughs> you know what? It was Prince in the house like the prince and he was in there like you know when the doves cry and all that <laughs> that's what was happening yeah so that would be an interesting story though like what would happen if we found out that like michael jackson was haunting someone's house and instead of like the ooh it was you hear <laughs> you're like shut up michael i'm trying Can to sleep you just sing my song it's time for me to jam <laughs> sing it what i'd do oh man so we're back i feel like there's no good haunted stories of celebrities like (gasps) celebrities being the ghost no there aren't but i do like there's a show apparently on tv where celebrities tell their own ghost stories like paranormal experiences i've never seen it but i did read one of the stories i think it's fake do you think it is? Don't say that because there's one story that every time I hear it, I like legit cry because it's so sweet. It's such a sweet story. I mean, oh, I don't know. Gosh. I know that there's one show that I got very excited about. Yeah. That was supposedly reenactments of like real life hauntings. And I yeah, found yeah. out that it was fake. Oh, yeah. And so it many made of the shows. So many of the shows I feel like are. But I mean, I was prepared, I like, with a notepad to, like, take notes, <laughs> you know, and talk oh, yeah. about it. But I'm like, this is fake. And it makes me mad that it's fake. Don't call something a reenactment of a true haunting if it's not. Yeah. This is like that mockumentary about the mermaids. I think we talked about this before. Where it I hurt, watched the entire... It did. It was a Discovery Channel documentary on mermaids and, where like, the history of them... And how they've survived and all these, like, alleged, you know, real footage and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so happy. And then at the end, it's like, this mockumentary. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, no. 
don't toy with my feelings like this. Don't do this. Aaron so. was ready to move. To the I was. Ocean. I was like, I'm going to the beach now. We're going to South Africa because that's where the mermaids are. I mean, and they weren't even like little mermaid mermaids. They were so cool, and I was so excited. If they lived so. in South Africa, they would get eaten by sharks. Well, that was the cool part. They did these like videos of how, like these like clips of like how they would like survive in that type of environment, and it was very believable. Really? Had I not, if I were like, <laughs> if I were more of a conspiracy theorist, I would be like, oh, it was real. The government was putting a stop to this. They were making sure that you know people thought that those sightings were fake, so that they could, yeah, government. But I'm not. <laughs> Marley has a friend, one of her best friends, who Mm -hmm. will talk to everybody he knows about the fact that he thinks 9-11 is a conspiracy. Oh, gosh. I know. (laughs) He brings it up all the time. Yeah, I know people like that. It's pretty funny. Whether you do or you don't, the fact that he talks about it all the time, it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. I love conspiracy theorists. Or that Beyonce is a lizard. Now, that's not too far-fetched. That's so insulting to my lizards. True. Sorry. The beehive is going to come after me now. All I'm saying Sorry, is, like, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not, I don't, have, I don't care about Beyonce. I'm not a fan. Beyonce. I'll be the first one to say. I've said it before I on just, our other podcast. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I just, I don't know. You want to know what it is? I'm a Destiny's Child girl, and she got too big for her britches, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I'm going solo." That's all. No, it's more than that. She's it's more than that. But yeah, and she's like know. the. I, I think it's honestly, it's it's the people that like her that annoy me, like the beehive. Like that's weird. You sound like my husband when he talks about why he hates UGA football. It's yeah. the fans. I don't like the fans. I'm like, why They're are you punishing weird. an entire football team because you don't like the fans? One yeah. of which happens to be your wife. <gasps> oh, mm-hmm. Mark. Yeah. What are you doing? He pulls for University of Michigan and anybody who plays Georgia. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There we go. So, right. yeah. That's how it works. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, we're not oh. going to get into that. I'm a little bitter because it's football she season. Is. <laughs> oh, man. A house divided. We are, for sure. Oh, man. I read something, by the way. This you know weekend, how to do I that? Think I occasionally do know how to do this. Good job. No, it, was, it was on a news site. Um, and I think this is probably old news, but I thought it was really fascinating and it totally relates to our podcast. Okay. Um, did you hear about that story about the, the mother who got in a car accident with her 18-month-old baby? Enlighten me. Okay. So this mom, I forget where. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> mom is in the car in the, at night like in, or late afternoon or something. Um, she's got her 18-month-old daughter in the back seat. She gets into a car accident. Like she uh, like slides off the road or something. The car flips, and uh, she dies. Okay. Oh, like, God. And apparently died pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. They didn't find the car for 14 hours. Oh. So what happened, though, is the police had noticed that there was, like, or somebody had called and reported that they, that some, like, there were skid marks or something on the road. Just something was, like, amiss. Mm-hmm. And some cops pulled out, not expecting to find anything. They thought it was, I guess, just somebody being stupid. 
Mm-hmm. But they get out of the car and they hear a woman yelling, uh, help us. We're down here. Help us. Come this way. And, like, the voice is yelling. Mm-hmm. They get down to the car and they find the car and it's hidden away. So it's not visible from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but they find the car and they open, like, they, they manage to get the door open even though it's upside down. Mm-hmm. And the baby is alive and completely unharmed. The mother has been dead for 14 hours. And there's nobody else around yelling. Like, nobody else could have called. That gives me goosebumps. Isn't that insane? It's awesome, though. I know. I love it. But that was, uh, I mean, it was like the actual police were reporting this. They said they couldn't figure out, like, where the voice came from. They searched the area to see if somebody was, like, involved. Like, if there was foul play or something. Um, but That's awesome. It was the mother. It's sad, um, but it's awesome. Yep. They said that... Uh, that the mother's spirit saved the little girl because if it hadn't have been for that, they were going to leave because they couldn't see anything. Wow. So. Wow. Crazy. Crazy, man. Crazy. I love it. So I think we should just dive right in because I know you have a long story. I do. I'm excited. How many pages of notes? I have 12 pages of notes. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> So we're and gonna, this isn't even, it doesn't even cover everything. I left so much out. Do you want to do it in two parts? No, it's okay. Okay. I, I have the important stuff. The important stuff. Okay. The well, mine is stuff. not super long. It's so 11 we'll, pages. It's 11 pages and a half. <laughs> um, no, mine's, mine's not very long. So I will jump right into mine and then I'll just let Aaron just take over the whole, Yes. you know. So, are we ready to get scary? Ready. Let's do this. So, today we are going to Berkeley Square in a part of London known as Mayfair. Ooh, fancy. It is fancy. It's a very opulent, wealthy area of London. A lot of famous people have stayed in hotels in this area. Um, It's very fancy. Very Very fancy. fancy. Um, There is a four-story house packed in between some of the other buildings there um that's pretty terrifying um this is the home of the nameless thing on berkeley square i don't even know if it's a ghost or a demon or a creature no idea it's it's a nameless thing it's a thing on 50 berkeley square in london there are stories that date as far back as the 1840s involving this terrifying place. Oh um, so apparently even before the 1840s, there were stories of things that had happened here. And, you know, mm-hmm. as rumor does, it kind of spread and it became this folklore thing. And so people talk about it in the bars and like, did you hear about what happened at that place? And people are like, meh, that didn't happen. So what happens when you start having these stories and alcohol and inflated egos of young men, Right, right. they go check it out, right? Yeah. So in the early 1840s, there's this young man named Robert Warboy, and he's in the bar, in the pub, and he's drinking, and he's hearing these stories, and he laughs about it. He's like, Whatever, you guys are just trying to scare me. Whatever. Well, they're like, fine, go stay the night over there and see what happens. And he's like, all right. So a little after midnight, he goes to um, talk to the landlord who lives on the first Mm -hmm. floor of this building. 
And after some discussion, he finally convinced the landlord to let him spend the night in the second floor bedroom. The landlord said he would only allow it if Robert agreed to have his pistol with him and to stay close to the bell that would ring in the landlord's room if anything happened. So at the time, back in the 1840s, there was like a rope bell that went through the whole building. And if you needed something, you would pull that rope and it would ring in the landlord. So anyway, so Robert's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Just let me go to sleep. So Mm -hmm. the landlord takes him upstairs And when he shuts the door, Robert's sitting there with his pistol in his hand at a table. There's nothing else in there. And he leaves and closes the door. Well, about 45 minutes later, the landlord was startled awake by the violent clanging of the bell. And then he heard a gunshot. So he runs upstairs, opens the door, and what he saw absolutely terrified him. Robert's body had been wedged into the corner of the room with the gun still in his hand, smoking from where he had pulled the trigger. His lips were pressed tight against his teeth as if he were screaming in horror. And his eyes were bulging out of his skull. And he was dead. Oh my gosh! There was one bullet hole in the wall directly across from him, but nothing else in the room. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Fast forward about 100 years. 1943. There's two drunken sailors. Their names are Robert Martin and Edward Blunden. They had been drinking, and they were looking for a place to crash for the night. This house at the time on 50 Berkeley Square, by the Berkeley Square at this point, was abandoned and boarded up. Because nobody wanted to stay in this house. Nobody wanted to own it. Nothing. So they broke into the basement and they were going to sleep in the basement, but it was rat infested. It was damp. It was gross. They didn't want to stay there. So they decided to move upstairs. So they went up to the second floor Mm -hmm. and it was kind of stuffy in there. So they used their rifle to prop the window open. They started a fire. They curled up on the floor in front of the fireplace and they went to sleep. A little after midnight. Edward woke up to the sound of the door creaking open. And he watched as something small and grayish started to creep toward them. What? No. He woke up his friend, Robert, and they sat up and they said, Robert said it sounded like a moist scraping sound coming across the floor. Whatever the thing was, it sounded like it was dragging itself toward them. Oh, my gosh. They jumped up. They were terrified. They were trying to look around the room and figure out how to get out of the room. And this thing was in between them at this point. And they're looking around, and they're like, the open door. We got to make a run for it. So Robert runs towards the door. Edward jumps towards the rifle that was still wedged in the window. And as he did that, this thing wrapped itself around his neck and took him down to the floor. Robert takes off out the door, runs down the stairs and out onto the street. He's screaming hysterically, and he finds a police officer, and he somehow manages to get the words out that his friend is being attacked and they have to go get him. The police officer comes back with him and they go upstairs and Edward's not there. So Robert recovers his rifle and they start searching the house. 
for his friend. When they open the door to the basement stairs, they find him. His body was in a crumpled heap in pieces at the base of the basement stairs. He had been dismembered. And his head had been wrenched around in such a violent way that he was almost looking backwards. And just like the guy from 100 years prior, his eyes were bulging out of his skull like he was terrified. Oh. Oh. So um, there have been researchers that have looked into this. Nobody has really seen it um, enough to fully describe it. Um, I did find a quote that says, some have described described it as an amorphous being, formless and slimy, which emits a gruesome sloppy noise when it moves, while others insist it is a dark, shapeless, spectral form, which was described as a collection of shadows that attacks its victims with clawed feet and razor-sharp bird-like talons. Oh! So there's a man named Harry Price who was a psychic investigator in the 20s, and he started researching this because there's multiple stories out of this out of this home. Um, and yeah. he started looking at different news articles and things like that. Um, he came across an article that was published in 1870 in a magazine called Notes and Queries. And it says, the mystery of Berkeley Square still remains a mystery. The story of the haunted house in Mayfair can be recapitulated in a few words. The house contains at least one room of which the atmosphere is supernaturally fatal to body and mind. A girl saw, heard, and felt such horror in it that she went mad and never recovered sanity enough to tell how or why. A gentleman, a disbeliever in ghosts, dared to sleep in number 50 and was found a corpse in the middle of the floor after frantically ringing for help in vain. Rumor suggests other cases of the same kind, all ending in death, madness, or both as a result of sleeping or trying to sleep in that room. Oh my gosh. Says the walls, when you touch the walls, they even feel like they're electric. It is uninhabited, save an elderly man and his wife who act as caretakers, but even these have no access to the room. They have kept it locked. The key stays in the hands of a mysterious and seemingly nameless person who comes to the house once every six months, locks up the elderly couple in the basement, and then unlocks the room and occupies himself in it for hours. Oh, my gosh. So um, there have been stories of maids who have tried to clean the room, and they have allegedly gone mad. Um, they call them stark raving insane, as a matter of fact. Um, there was a nobleman in London who tried to spend a night there, and he was found the next day, quote, a blithering, drooling basket case, his mind shattered by some unforeseen force. Even though this home is a beautiful four-story home and it sits in a prominent place in London, it has remained vacant for long periods of time, which is very unusual because real estate gets snatched up in this area, but nobody wants this house. Um, As of present day, there's a bookstore that occupies the first floor of the home, but the employees are not allowed upstairs. In fact, the police have even posted a notice that the upstairs is to remain blocked off and locked all the time and not even to be used for storage. Oh, my gosh. And that is the terrifying yet short tale of the nameless thing on Berkeley Square. 
Oh my gosh. That is terrifying. Isn't it creepy? Ah! I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it. Oh my gosh. The sloppy, wet, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. It's weird because there's a lot of stories. And there's enough witnesses to something that it's yeah. something. Like, there's something. Oh, my goodness. But nobody knows what it is. Wow. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that is something. I want to know what it is. I know. Some people have said it sounds like a giant octopus that maybe have come up through the London sewer system. But I'm like, why would it eat people? <laughs> I don't and it doesn't eat people. It just kills people. If it's an octopus, octopus are predators, right? Yeah. And they'll eat their prey. They don't just kill yeah. for the sake of killing. No. So. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's creepy. So good. <laughs> Woo! This is a creepy episode, guys. <laughs> You're welcome for the nightmares. Mm-hmm. Need a breather? Maybe a little distraction? No shame. We're spooked too. Here's something you can do in the meantime. Take a minute to rate and review Girls and Ghouls in your favorite podcast app. Every rating and every review helps Girls and Ghouls continue to share haunting stories from around the world. All right, break time's over. It's time to get scary. Okay. So, you ready? I'm excited to hear yours. Okay. So... First, right off the bat, <laughs> I summed this up <laughs> the best that I could. Um, this is a very well-documented case, not just by, like, eyewitnesses, like, normal people, normal people, but it actually is an 800-page official record from the uh, local police and oh my. law enforcement. That's right. This is the story <laughs> of... The 200 Demon House. Holy crap. I'm already scared. Have you heard this? I have not heard of this, but 200 Demons. 200 Demon House. Okay. Let's jump in. I love how perky you are. <laughs> You're going to love this. Wait till, wait till you hear the dates. Are you ready? Oh, God. In November 2011. Uh-uh. I swear to God. In November 2011, LaToya Ammons and her mother, Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three children, who were then 7, 9, and 12, uh, moved into a house in Gary, Indiana. This house is 3860 Carolina Street. I can tell you this because you don't want to go there. Don't go there. I'll just stay out of Gary, Indiana entirely. Yeah. So they were really excited about moving into this. It was a rental house. Um, there haven't been any. There had been no issues with the house prior that they were aware of. Um, but they were really excited to be in this, you know, in this situation. You know, LaToya and her mother were really close. The kids were all really close. It was going to be a good time. Um, LaToya was, like, fresh out of a bad relationship and ready to start over new. As so many stories start, right? So, a few days after the family moved in, they say that black flies started swarming the porch. Now, bear in mind, it's November, in Gary, Indiana. It ain't warm. Yeah. Okay? So bugs speak. This shouldn't be happening already. They brush it off. They're just like, well, we don't know. You know, bugs. So they get rid of the, the bugs. The bugs all die. They sweep them away, get rid of them. 
um, only to have the bugs return the very next day in equal abundance. Black flies over and over and over. Every day they're dealing with this. Now, this is just a nuisance, right? They're not thinking anything's up at this point. Um, but then things start to get a little bit stranger in the house. Again, nothing that can't be explained away. Lights flicker. Phones don't work all the time. The television signal scrambles. And, you know, then we'll come back to normal. Um, but not a big deal. I mean, we hear that sort of thing in pretty much every story we tell, right? But... Uh, at some point, they start hearing other sounds that sound like footsteps. But these footsteps only occur after midnight. There's one particular occasion where both LaToya and Rosa say that they heard the clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the basement door opening. Mm -mm. They went down to figure out, like, is it one of the kids? They go yeah. and they look at the basement door. There ain't no one there. Kids are in bed asleep. There's no one there. This happens all the time. And it gets to the point that they decide to lock the basement door. Because they can't figure out what's happening. You know, they're, uh, they're confused. A little bit scared at this point. But even once they lock the door, they still hear the clump of foot, footsteps coming up the stairs. And the door will still come open. So one night, they hear the footsteps, and Rosa, the mother, she decides to go investigate by herself. She doesn't wake LaToya up, and she goes downstairs, and she sees the shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. And she ran over to it, because she's going to defend her family. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's going to throw this man out. I mean, come on. Women, you know, they, they're bears, right? Yeah. When she gets over to the figure, the figure disappears. But in its place, she finds large, wet boot prints all over the carpet. About 2 a.m. later on, this is like a couple of weeks later, it's 2 in the morning, um, Rosa, LaToya, and her children are awake because they have had a death in the family and they are all mourning. The kids have friends over to spend the night just to help them with this. Um, and the friends are all there to just, you know, memories. You know, they're reminiscing. Mm -hmm. Rosa and LaToya are in the living room when they hear everyone screaming in the other room. They hear someone screaming, Mama, Mama. She runs into the room, Rosa does, and finds the 12-year-old daughter and her friend, in the room, kind of, the friend is freaking out because the 12-year-old, who is unnamed, the kids are unnamed in the story, is levitating on the bed. Oh. Mm -mm. They're not sure <laughs> what's going on, obviously. But these are very religious people. Um, so, LaToya, Rosa, and the friends that were there mourning all circled around the girl and started praying. Um, eventually... The girl descends onto the bed and wakes up, and she has no memory of what happened. Rosa and LaToya, so the people who were visiting that night, refused to return. I can understand completely. <laughs> yeah. So, Rosa says she 
immediately at this point is like, we need help. We have to talk to someone. Um, we can't deal with it ourselves. So they didn't know what it was that they needed help with, but they knew it was something that was not like they couldn't call the police and be like, yeah, our daughter and our granddaughter is levitating. Um, come help yeah. us. So they called their church. <clears throat> they were turned away by their church. They called every single church in the area and every single church turned them away. Um, eventually one church, not local, <laughs> um, listened and they had an official come visit the house from the church. And um, <laughs> the official from the church said that the house had something in it, had something dark, a dark spirit in it. They recommended that the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia and then use oil to draw crosses on every door and every window. At the church's suggestion, Latoya says that she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet, then smeared oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads as well as protection. They then reached out to two clairvoyants because they are, at this point, like, the church doesn't want to help us beyond tell us this. We need some help. They're desperate. Um, I mean, obviously, the kid was floating in the bed. And this is, like, just the beginning of the story, okay? So... A clairvoyant shows up, um, or two of them do, and the clairvoyant freaks out. Freaks out. They won't stay because they said that their house is infested with more than 200 demons. That's terrifying. The clairvoyant said the best thing you can do is move, but they couldn't afford to move. This is a very poor family. It's a single mom, three kids, and then the grandmother, right? So she looked for, like, a, you know, what's the next best thing that we can do? And the clairvoyant said, um, turn this house into a house of God, and that's it. Like, that's all you can do is, you know, ward it away with what it's afraid of the most. So they realized that a lot of the stuff started in the basement. Like, that's where they heard the footprints. So they made kind of an altar to Christ in the basement, right? They covered an end table with a white sheet. They put a white candle and the statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. And then they open the Bible to Psalm 91 and they leave it on the table. They then said that uh, they put on all white clothing and burned sage through the house and drew crosses with the smoke until the smoke was so thick they could barely breathe. For three days, the house was calm and normal. And then it got worse, worse than it had been before. The members of the family, um, primarily in the beginning, Latoya and Rosa, are violently tortured. They're thrown against furniture, dragged off of the sofa, punched until their gums and noses bled so profusely that they couldn't breathe. At that point, after they hit this point of violence, um, the family... All of the family starts to experience things, not just the adults, but the children too. The entire family starts to fall ill, including the children having kidney infections, which is not normal for children. Um, they were unable to go to school because they were often very lethargic and just very, very ill. The house began to drip oil. It would ooze out of the walls all over the house. During the day, everyone that lived there would see shadowy figures that walked the room. 
footsteps that would come up from the basement and then pounding on all the doors. And the pounding was so forceful that it would bust the locks off the doors because they would go and lock all the doors around them. Um, because the basement seemed to be such a focal point, Rosa, the grandmother, spent a lot of time down there trying to pray away what was happening, right? So she goes down and she's cleaning and she's praying and then she started coughing and choking and she realized it's because it didn't like when she would pray while she was while she was cleaning so it would stop it so it it tried to choke her to the point that she nearly went unconscious eventually latoya found her on another occasion latoya and her godson had gone down to the basement when all of a sudden his godson felt felt like something was stabbing him in the stomach it turned out at this time the godson was reading latoya passages from the Bible. The more he read, the more it would hurt him. And then they saw something come flying across the basement and strike them. When they looked to see what it was, it was a small ornament of a nativity scene. Now bear in mind, this is Christmas time at this point. So they had all this stuff out. Um, as time went on, the daughter that had levitated said that she had seen a full manifestation of something in her bedroom, she said it was scaly, ugly, and black, a monster. She couldn't say anything else about it. Now, these are just minor things compared to where it goes from here. And I'm trying to sum some of this up because it is so much. Um, they do have a lot of violence, a lot of things thrown around. Um, there's one occasion where they say that, uh, that it took a, a Febreze bottle and walked it around the house in front of people just floating through the house, this Febreze bottle. Um, but at one point, the entities, which can be called nothing but demons, um, possessed Latoya and her children. Rosa was the only one who didn't end up with any kind of possession. And it's because Rosa, my belief is, is it's Rosa was very, very, like, devout in her faith. You know, the kids were young. They were vulnerable. And Latoya was questioning things at this point because you know it wasn't working for her but rosa never stopped she never relented um the kids like i said are seven nine and twelve and when they became possessed their eyes bulged and they would have evil smiles on their faces and their voices would deepen to a voice that wasn't human the youngest boy sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see and then the other boy would tell everyone what it felt like to be killed. The seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he had been thrown. And he slammed his head into the headboard of a bedroom. Now, keep that in mind how far that, that, that you know, projection is. From a bathroom into a bed, smacked the headboard so hard that it caused him to need stitches. The 12-year-old also had her head slammed into the headboard multiple times, which needed stitches as well. Later on, the 12-year-old will also tell um, professionals that she felt as if she was being choked and held down in her, in her bed. She had a voice growl into her ear that she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. 
The older son was thrown across the room by unknown forces on a pretty much regular basis. Okay, I'm going to pause right there because I'm sorry. There is nothing that would keep me in that house. Mm -hmm. I don't care what my financial situation is. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that would keep me there. No, I'd have been gone. I would would rather be homeless on the streets and safe and know my kids are safe than live in that house. Yep. What is wrong with this woman? I have no clue. Why is the grandmother not snatching them out of that house? Yeah. Well, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand that about these stories. I know. That's what I don't get either. And I mean, I understand that they're, I mean, they don't have anybody. It sounds like from the the story they have. Be homeless. Exactly. That's my opinion. Live in your car. Live in your car, for sure. Seriously. No, I agree. Holy crap. This is awful. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So, Rosa, the grandmother, is desperate for help and they've done everything that they can figure out i mean she's done everything that she thinks she can do at this point um she gets in contact with her mother who is still alive um and is trying to connect with them but every time she would try the the phone would connect um they wouldn't be able to hear each other but instead they'd hear a steady stream of cursing and swearing just lots of of bad language. They were never able to make phone calls to each other. And that turned into a regular thing. No one could call. They could not call anyone. This is about when the children would start chanting. And what would happen is the children's eyes would roll back. And their heads would fall backwards. And one would start chanting in tongues. And then when that child would stop, the second child would pick up. And when the second child would stop, the third child would pick up in chants in a language that they did not know. After it would happen, and they would do this a lot in the car, apparently, um, when they would take the kids out, whatever whatever demon was in the house didn't want them to leave, so it would really protest these things. Um, one child in particular, one of the, I think the, the older boy, um, when he would be put in the car, he would bang his head on the armrest to the point that he'd black out. The younger son, at one point in the car, had his eyes roll in the back of his head and started growling and said, it's time to die, I will kill you. This is about the point when they reach out to their family doctor for help, thinking maybe this person can help. And this is, by the way, they moved in in November. This call was made April 19th, 2012. He quoted, 20 years and I've never seen anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. He actually went to their home. He won't release any more information about what he saw while in the home due to privacy waivers, but he put on their chart that they had delusional behaviors. Um, But also, (laughs) um, one of the nurses that went with him saw what happened in the room and was so afraid she wouldn't go back into the house and instead she called the police and paramedics to come in the grandmother then told everyone what happened when the doctor was there the grandmother said his head started thrashing his eyes rolled back his mouth went crazy and he started talking in tongues and then my grandson was thrown across the room So the nurse realized that what was going on was well out of the doctor's capabilities and called paramedics and the police. 
The paramedics and the police took the child, the youngest child, and his older brother to the emergency room, and both of the children went unconscious. When the boys woke up in the hospital, the nine-year-old behaved normally. He was fine. But the youngest screamed and thrashed violently. It took five men to hold him down. Five adult men to hold down a seven-year-old boy. Hospital personnel did an examination of LaToya and the children and determined that they were healthy and of a sound and stable mind. They didn't have any marks or bruises on them that would indicate that the mother was abusing them or coercing them. The child had no recollect no recollection of anything that happened in the hospital at that point. Um, they someone in the hospital at this point reports the family to um, Child Protective Services, and uh, they were assigned a case manager, Valerie Washington, and she actually came to the hospital to handle the investigation. She. Uh, she spoke to LaToya, and while she was speaking to LaToya, the seven-year-old started growling at her, and his teeth started, his teeth were showing. He bared his teeth at her. He had his eyes roll back into his head, and then he lunged at his older brother and locked his hands around his throat and refused to let go until the adults pried his hands off of him. Later that evening... Washington and a nurse went into a small exam room with the boys to interview them. Um, the nurse was Willie, Willie Lee Walker. Um, they needed him. They wanted someone who was big and strong and able to help contain these boys since they have proven to be violent, right? Uh, Rosa Campbell, the grandmother, also joins to kind of supervise to make sure that nothing happens to her grandchild or grandchildren. Um, as soon as the interview begins, the seven-year-old stares into his brother's eyes and begins to growl again. The boy said in an unnatural voice, it's time to die. I will kill you. While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting his grandmother in the stomach. Rosa grabbed her grandson's hands and began praying. Um, the thing that happened next scared everyone in the room but proved to everyone in the room that what was happening was not a mental breakdown this was not abuse from the parents um this particular event the uh the cps worker or dcs is what they call it worker and the nurse and rosa all you know said this happened um the nine-year-old stopped headbutting his grandmother he got a weird grin on his face and then walked backward up a wall and to the ceiling then flipped over Campbell and landed on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand. He dislocated to do this. Walker, the nurse, said he walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there. There's no way he could have done that. Later, the police asked the DCS worker if the boy had run up the wall like an acrobatic trick, right? And she said no. The boy glided backwards on the floor, wall, and ceiling. Um... She told the police that she was so scared when it happened and she ran out of the room and Walker, the nurse, ran out as well. Um, we didn't know what was going on, Walker had told one newspaper. That was crazy. I was like, everybody got to go. The boy didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it again. They tried to get him to repeat it to see if it was something he was just pretending to know how to do. He couldn't do it. At this point, because of this report, DCS took the emergency step of taking custody of the children without a court order. So 
Latoya and Rosa have no control over what happens to her children at this point. This is when the hospital does something that doesn't normally happen. They reach out to a man, Reverend Michael Magano, Maginot, um, on April 20th. He gets a call from the hospital because they want him to come in and perform an exorcism on the nine-year-old. The hospital has asked this. He doesn't want to do it at first because he's like, what? But it's a hospital, so he's like, this isn't this isn't a scam. This can't be a joke. Like, what's going on? So he agrees to come in and talk to the family. Um, the first step, he said, was ruling out natural causes for what they were experiencing. Um, but obviously there were no natural causes. Um, so he visits the home on the 22nd, and for two hours... Latoya and Rosa detail the entire thing to him. They give him the whole thing. And then they realize that the lights are flickering in another room. He goes over to investigate this flickering light. And every time he goes over, the light stops flickering and realizes that whatever it is doesn't like his presence and is kind of scared of him, right? Um, the blinds in the kitchen start swinging, even though there's no air current in the house. None. And wet footprints start to appear through the living room. Latoya starts complaining about a headache, something that she has a lot in the house. She gets severe headaches. So he gets a crucifix and he places it against her head to pray. And as he does so, she convulses every time. Um, after four hours of being in the house... The reverend said he's convinced the family was being tormented by demons and also a host of ghosts. He blessed the house before he left, praying, reading from the Bible, and sprinkling holy water in each room. He told Latoya and Rosa to leave the house because it was not safe. Um, they temporarily moved in with a relative, but less than a week later, the two women were forced back onto the property because the DCS manager, or family case manager, wanted to check the condition of the home, and also asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, um, one from the Gary Department and one from the Hammond Police Department, uh, asked to join them out of professional curiosity, so they all go on this. So it's uh, DCS, one of the police officers that had already been there, and then two from two different departments. Latoya refuses to go inside. She's not going in. She's done. She's out. Rosa said she's going to go in. Um, and the kids are obviously still in, they're in foster care at this point. Um, they go through like the, the house. It's a normal house. You know, main floor has three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom. And then the door in the kitchen that leads to the basement with concrete stairs. They go down to the basement. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor and concrete that was jagged as though it had been broken. Um, the altar was still down there um, to dissuade demons and also had rings of salt poured around, according to Hammond Police Department's reports. Like, this is what's in their report. Um, Rosa said that the demons, she felt like they came from below the stairs. The Gary Police Captain, um, Officer Austin, said that he didn't believe in ghosts or supernatural, or he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but didn't believe in demons. Um, he's changed his mind on that. Uh, during that time in the house, um, the officer's audio recorders all malfunctioned. 
power lights flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though they had fresh batteries in them. Um, another officer had recorded audio and played it back, and an unknown voice whispered, hey, to them on their recorder. They took photos of the house um, and of that, that area. Uh, they took photos of the dirt area in the basement, and there were strange silhouettes and figures and faces on that phone, because those were taken with a cell phone, that phone stopped functioning, the photos disappeared on their own. And every time he would try to take another picture, it would disappear. The photos of the outside of the house, um, there's a white image in one of the windows, despite the fact that uh, the house is empty, they're all outside, and uh, a green face in another window by the basement. So, Officer Austin is, he's spooked by all the stuff that's going on. He's, he's shaken. He's rattled. And he decides to do, like, the cop thing. And he goes, that's it. Enough of this garbage. I'm leaving. And he goes to leave the property. He went to the gas station and went to make a phone call. Um, he said, I had my police radio, my squad car dash AMFM radio, my police cell, and my iPhone. I was looking at the pictures I'd taken on my iPhone when I made this call, and all of a sudden, a growling voice came from my AMFM radio. It said, you out of here. Then a lot of garbled other stuff and static. This is his direct quote. After that, according to Captain Austin, Captain Austin, every other officer present that day had problems with their radios, phones, and house alarms. But uh, Captain Austin said that he was bluntly attacked after this. When he went home that evening, the garage door refused to open, even though the power was on everywhere. His driver's seat started moving back and forth on its own, and he had a mechanic check it out because he couldn't even drive it at this point. And they said that had it continued, he would have gotten into an accident and died. Officials continue to investigate the things happening in the house because things are still happening. They have another uh, DCS worker come. They have more officers come. Um, This is May 10th, 2012. They're visiting after work hours because they're so invested in figuring out what the heck is going on in this house. This time they are, they, they have a new person, Washington, the, the original case manager. She's not coming back. She's done. Um, So they get a new case manager named Samantha. Samantha, volunteered to go because she thought it was bogus right she's in the house and she notices that there's like oil on the wall again and she touches it to like feel it you know and she says it's like slippery and sticky in her fingers they've brought the reverend with them this time and the reverend wants to go down and check under the dirt in the basement to see if there's like pentagrams or anything there they found some things that was like they found uh oh a four they dug a four foot by three foot hole under the stairs they found pink press on fingernails a white pair of panties a political shirt and some cooking things candy wrappers and a drapery cord weight. So it was like, they, they weren't sure what all of that meant, why it was there. It was such a strange thing. Um, but they blessed it with salt and everything. During this period of time, though, Samantha um, realizes that her finger is in horrible pain. And she says it feels tingly and broken. And they took a picture of this. If you go and look it up, there's a picture of her hand. The, her finger, her pinky finger has turned completely white is ice cold 
and swollen. She can't move it. Um, less than 10 minutes later, Samantha says she feels like she's having a panic attack. She couldn't breathe, so she had to leave the house. Um, the priest that they brought, they also brought a priest. <laughs> they, uh, he starts questioning LaToya because LaToya has, she has to be there. Um, she's been complaining of headaches then too. And, uh, at this point, Captain Austin says that it's time to go. He's not staying past dark. Um, but he notices that the place where the oil had been already wiped away by Samantha is oily again. In fact, all the blinds are oily. They're dripping. And they're like, LaToya did this. She must have done this. So they, they, you know, make sure LaToya's off the property, right? They check the entire area. They scrub the blinds off with like cloths and stuff, clean it up and, uh, sealed the room for 20 minutes, guarded the doors, went back in. The oil had reappeared. Um, the reverend told the police that this liquid was a manifestation of demonic presence. And he wrote his findings in a very detailed report. This is like a 20-page report that he wrote to a bishop to ask for permission to perform a major exorcism on LaToya. Um, the bishop would not authorize it. She just said no. She wouldn't She wouldn't give the, the church-sanctioned exorcism rituals. But the reverend said, you know, I'm going to find a way to do this. I don't need the church's permission to do a minor one. I'll do minor exorcism. So um, he consults the internet <laughs> to find out how to do a Catholic exorcism, right? Because he's a reverend. Um, they do these intense blessings is what they call them. Um, two minor exorcisms on LaToya. And they did this in front of the police officers, the DCS family case manager. And uh, they said it was hair-raising and chilling. It was like someone was in the room with you breathing down your neck. Samantha was not left untouched after this event, though. She had a string of medical problems after visiting the home. This is a once very healthy woman with a very happy life. A week after she visited the house for the last time, she got third-degree burns from a motorcycle. Within 30 days, she broke three of her ribs. She then broke her hand and then broke her ankle. Um, she said that her friends stopped talking to her because they believe something attached itself to her. And it's still like that for her. After the minor ritual, um, the reverend told Latoya to look up the names of the demons that were tormenting her because the demons had given them names. He refuses to repeat the names, all of them. The only one that they were willing to um, tell was Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, which is what they had on their porch. The other demons were demons that torture and hurt children. And other ones that they researched were high-ranking demons, including lieutenants and sergeants, apparently. Uh, apparently, while they were trying to research this, they and all of them experienced this in separate places. Their computers would shut down. They would malfunction, they would break, and they would become sick and lightheaded. Ultimately, they ended up doing another exorcism. They had done two in English, and it really hadn't worked very much. Like, there was still stuff happening in the house. Um, they ended up doing another one in June of 2012 in a church, and this one was in Latin. 
During each, the reverend said he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed the crucifix against Latoya's head as he spoke. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the, en uh, of the enemy. He said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weakened. He could tell how strong the demon was by how much Latoya convulsed. Two of the police officers have kept in touch with the reverend since the investigation. Um, and they also were there during the uh, last exorcism because Latoya needed to be restrained because she was getting so violent. When she could, she prayed. Um, eventually, it became too painful for her to pray. She said it felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. It was different from natural pain, but more intense than giving birth. I was hurting all over from the inside out, she remembers. I'm trying to do my best and be strong. Eventually, she fell asleep, and uh, the reverend said that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effect. Eventually, they did, they did get the, the demon to leave. Um, after the demon left, he said, the reverend said words of thanksgiving, and that was the last time that the reverend saw LaToya. LaToya and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, and they live in a home where they are completely without fear. Since living there and moving into there, um, LaToya regained custody of her three children in November. It was six months after they'd been removed. They uh, check on the kids to make sure they're still going to school and that they're safe. Um, since moving, they've had no issues whatsoever. The children said that they felt safe after they left the house on Carolina Street, and they left their demonic voices and complaints behind them. Now, that's the end of their story, but people went to the house. More people went to the house, and they experienced that. They experienced frightening things when they went in and eventually someone made a good call because the house was going to go for sale again in fact it did go up for sale and zach baggins from ghost adventures bought it and burned it to the ground well that's one thing that he has done right he burned it to the ground um and they still warn people not to go on the property they own the property they don't want anything built there but it's not safe to be there. They believe that that site, the site of that home, was actually the site of a, a druid colony or uh, covenant or something. I don't remember what they said. It was some some weird, like, ritualistic thing. Um, not, a, not good stuff in any way, mm -hmm. shape, or form. But they also did do some digging to find out why, out of 33 years, that the landlord had that house. You know, because the landlord, after all this, he wasn't going to, no one was going to buy it, which is why it got put up for sale. Mm -hmm. No one was going to rent it. Um, they want, they didn't want that house. That's why it was, and he, by the way, Zach got it for $35,000. This house, full house. <laughs> yeah. Um, because no one wanted to be in it. Um, but they also said that they think that uh, someone cursed LaToya because it was, the, the possessions had started with her apparently that was why she had pain all the time and they it was torturing her through the thing that she loved most which was her children this is awful erin uh, i know it's terrible uh but the house doesn't exist anymore it's been burned down the ground has been cleansed with holy water and exorcisms and all of that but they still say don't go there people don't go there and uh zach being the stand-up guy that he is turned it into a movie really so. Yeah, so you can go and watch The Demon House if you really want to know. It'll probably be way less scary than what actually happened because what actually happened is real. And that is the story of the 200 Demon House in Gary, Indiana. I know this is an audio show, mm -hmm. but if you guys could have seen me, 
She was well, white as a ghost the whole time. I... Oh, my God. It was awful. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. Pretty the terrible. whole, like, dislocating and walking up the wall part. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. What's terrifying to me is uh, is is all the audio because they've got because they the the police investigation is filmed because they all have like the body cams and stuff. They brought that stuff in there as part of their uh, DCS and police investigation. Um, voices and shadows are on the videos. Nope, don't the watch report it. is so long and so detailed from all the officers. Um, some of the office, some of the people that were there, there's one story and I couldn't confirm it because a lot of the stuff is kept private just because it was a legit mm-hmm. thing that happened recently. Um, one of the police officers apparently did resign afterwards because it was just too much. Uh, and yeah, like it was just not, a, it was not a good time and reading it, You can actually read the reverend's, um, report the detailed report that he gives to see if he can get some help from the catholic church and the catholic church was like uh-uh leave me out of it like i don't want to do it i'm not going to give you any information go check the internet That's by the way catholic church what up with that yeah i don't that that boggles my brain you don't want to help your people go exercise the demons so that's it there's my reason that's awful do you want to know what's really awful hmm when I one of the articles that I read on this particular case had like a like a little reference thing below, like a, or a little like additional like for further reading, and it had a link out to other possessions in Gary, Indiana, and there have been like eight of them in the past thirty years in what Gary, is up Indiana. With you, Gary, Indiana. Yeah, who lives in Gary, Indiana? Tell me what's going on there. We will already never come there. Oh, we're never going to Gary. Uh uh-uh. uh. I nope. mentioned on the previous episode that we want to do some live, like, in-person events. It won't be there. It won't be there. I can nope. promise you that. And it will not be in Union, Missouri, either. Nope. And we're not going to see the the creature. The, the unknown. creature on Berkeley the, Street in London. We're not doing Are you crying? Yeah, I'm crying from She's fear. very emotional about this. Yeah. No, oh, it just, oh, my God. That hurt my soul. Mm-hmm. I said the same thing. I was like, oh, Lord. I'm actually surprised that you took that story. I wouldn't have except for one thing. And this is something that I believe in very powerfully. Like, if this stuff is going on, like, number one, the police can't help you. <laughs> they can't help you. Put your children first and go to the people who can help you. And stay, like, you have to keep the faith. Like, 100%. You have to keep the faith. So, um, I don't like many exorcism stories. I think the reason that that one stood out to me so much is because it's so recent. And we often pretend that this stuff doesn't exist. You know? Yeah. Um, Or that it only happened a long time ago. There's that funny meme that's gone around that I know you've seen. I think we've even shared it probably on our Instagram. But it's like all the, the, you always hear the ghost stories of these people in like, you know, old fashioned clothes. But I'm waiting for the one that's like 3 a.m. It's Brittany, bitch. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Exactly it. Don't worry. I don't have any other demon stories up my sleeve right now. So I got some creepy ones, but not demons. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I have some demon stories on my list, but I might have to withhold for a while because that one's going to take a while to recover from. Yeah, you cleanse your soul. <sighs> yeah, you gotta cleanse. That one was 
rough, man. Isn't that awful? Yeah. I've never read anything like that. No. I've never. I mean, I've read a lot of, like, really terrifying stories, but nothing like that where it was such such strong physical manifestations and where so many people are. I mean, there were so many witnesses to it. And the, the sad part about the witnesses, and this is the thing that drives me absolutely insane, the people that saw it, even the people who said, yeah, I saw it, it happened, they were like, there has to be, there has to be another reason. It's definitely not supernatural. Children normally glide up the wall and do yeah. backflips while dislocating their own arms to do so. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, my children are too afraid of pain. Too afraid of pain. They, I mean, like... There's no way. I take my kids in to get their, like, vaccines and they act like someone's going to cut their arm off. They're not going to purposefully dislocate their arm. Because they were trying to say that the kids were, like, just mentally ill. Like, all three of them. They're just Mm. schizophrenic. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. I find it really interesting that this episode comes out on the 13th of October. That's why. It's not a Friday. Oh, good. But it is the 13th of October. Yeah. That was not intentional. (laughs) I did not know. That means that in a couple more weeks, you guys will have our very special Halloween episode, which we're very excited about. So make sure that you look for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to be sharing the true stories behind some of the most famous scary movies. Yep. And that's going to be fun. It's going to be um, bomb. You know what else I'm going to I'm going to get to do this month? I'm excited about. I'm going to the Fox Theater here in Atlanta for a ghost tour. Fun. Yeah. That's I'm so stoked. exciting. I'm going the day before Halloween. Ooh. Spooky. So I'm going to have to add that story. I'll have to dig around and see what all the ghosty goodness is at the Fox Theater and share that in an upcoming story. Maybe I'll go to East State. Mm. You no, have fun. I'm, I'm not going to Eastern State. <laughs> Heck no. All the spooky stuff is out right now, and I live in Pennsylvania, so. It's yeah, I. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to try to do Netherworld this year. I don't know. I might be too scared. Netherworld is worldwide known. It's very yeah. famous haunted house that they put on here in the Atlanta area. Nope. It's won all kinds of awards and they have like Hollywood makeup artists come do all the makeup and do the sets. No. And Oh God, no. It's always on like the top 10 travel channels, most, you know, scariest haunted houses and stuff. I don't like being scared that much. <laughs> okay. Like I like telling stories and I like hearing stories. I don't yeah. need to go get attacked. It, by they someone. do. They do a phenomenal job. I tell you what. And, um, I've been a few times. I have not been the last few years. Last year, I purposely didn't go because with the new version of Stephen King's It in theaters, guess what their theme was? Oh, yeah. And I literally would have died of a heart attack had I gone, and it's full of clowns. I I can't do that. So, Well, you know that there's going to be. Well, I mean, the... I will say a few years ago, the last time I went, they had a clown in the parking lot and it was all I could not to freak out about it. I was with a group of people and I tried to contain myself and I did a pretty good job. It did chase me when I left the thing as I was walking back to my car, it chased me. 
Did you cry? And I did cry. I, I got in my car too. and I cried. I was freaked out. I hate clowns. I hate murdery I think, clowns especially. <laughs> you know what I think? I think in those situations, though, um, because everybody's got their one trigger, you know, I think they yeah. should give people, like, little flags. Like, if you wave your flag, like, that's yes. it. Yes. Like, don't done. hurt me. I'm scared of you. Like, I'm legit done. Scared. I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. Um, I'll have to pull out the pictures I took from when yeah. I went a few years ago because the costuming is amazing. Yeah. Um. And I took some pictures of some of the creepy creepies. But there is one character that they bring back every year. Uh, well, there's several that they bring back every year. But one in particular is a little girl. Oh, nope. Mm-mm. I'm already And out. she is a grown woman, but she's very tiny. So she they dress her up as like a demonic looking little girl. Nope. That carries around a baby doll. Oh, and um, I, I, she was freaky to me. I remember when I got there, I didn't realize that she was a real person. I thought she was like an animatronic statue because mm-hmm. they have those out there. And she was standing right at the entrance to the line where you go to get your tickets. And so yeah. I walked past her and I was like, oh my God, she's freaking terrifying. And I walked past her. And I said that out loud when I walked past her. And then I get halfway through the line, and I turn around to say something to my friend, and the girl is standing there right behind me. <gasps> no! And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, and she followed no. me around the parking lot. No. And she would squeal like a little baby. Like, Mm-mm. she would do this, like, like, this creepy, I don't know. It was awful. And she would, like, kind of cock her head, like you see in the scary movies, that's, mm-hmm. you know, real jumpy. Oh, it was awful. It's awful. Well, she has, they put a cap on her head and then they just pull a few strands of hair out. So she's got just these few scraggly strands of long hair coming. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. She is so scary. I'll put pictures in the group because it's awful. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Are you looking at the Netherworld pictures? Uh-huh. I'm not into it. I'm not. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> what are you looking See, at? Like the current? Yeah, one? I'm oh, looking at their website. I haven't looked at the current one. I don't even know what the theme is this year. There's always two. Um, well, I can tell you what well, I would not be able to go because the the 2018 Netherworld theme announcement is subject unknown. Dissection of an extraterrestrial life form has released a rapidly <gasps> mutating virus. Oh no! Erin can't do aliens. That's her I thing. Don't, I don't do aliens, so no. So no, no more, no aliens for you. Wait, they have an escape room? Escape Mm -hmm. the nether? No. Nope. I'd be dead. I'd be, I would have a legit (laughs) heart attack and be dead. See, I thought I could handle these sorts of things because, um, and I do have pictures I'll have to show you. I'll share them in the group. Uh, my husband used to work, um, at a different building, a big building, and right across the street from his building was this big field where they had Field of Screams. They hosted that every year. Mm-hmm. So at the end of his work day, like, the sun would still be out, but he'd, like, you know, look out his window and he'd take pictures of all these, like, zombies and, you know, murderers with, like, chainsaws and stuff getting mm-hmm. out of their cars and, like, ambling over and, like, high-fiving each other and stuff. And they're in, like, full, like, makeup and all that jazz, and it's just hysterical watching these bumbling zombies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> their cars and stuff and that took all the scariness out of it for me um but uh no i couldn't couldn't do this uh-uh nope. yeah netherworld is terrifying um it, I don't it's understand. Like, why? by far why? the why scariest haunted house i've ever been to it's why? I, what's wrong with people like why would you want to be that scared i mean 
it's kind of funny when you're walking through the haunted house part because you will scream and then immediately laugh at yourself for screaming because you know it's not real. Yeah. But it's so well done. I mean, they when they tear it down, <laughs> Aaron's face right now is one of pure horror because she's I still looking at I just found the picture. galleries. Oh. Ew! It's so <laughs> gross. It's so <laughs> ugly. See, but I've seen too many of those those movies where they're in like the the you know the haunted house, the fun house, and they're like, "Ha, huh, it's a joke," and then there's actually like a murderer in there. Yeah. So no, I'll pass. Um, here's the. I'll show you, and I'll put this in the group. There's the little girl. Can oh, you see her? No. You can't really see her that great, but yeah, she's creepy. Um, and that was years ago, so their costuming has gotten better. But the the first time that I went, they had this huge, probably 20-foot-tall gargoyle right at the entrance, and it was animatronic. And they had a life-size mannequin of a man in a suit, and the gargoyle was holding him by his ankles, and it would come on, and it would shake him, and he would scream, and it was so realistic. Oh, my god. That's gosh. like right as soon as you pull into the parking lot, that's the first thing you see. <laughs> no. There's people who are responsible just for scaring people in the parking lot, so as you're getting out of your car, you'll have stuff just come up to you. There's one guy that looks like the guy from Hellraiser, and he nope. has like he has knee knee pads on that are metal, and he has these like metal fingertip things on, and he will go and run as fast as he can, and then slide across the concrete and drag his fingertips so sparks shoot up. Oh no! <laughs> There's no, people no. who are dressed up and they just work the line. So while you're standing in this long line about to be scared, they have other people come up behind you and scare you. Like, I had one guy come up that was in this giant creature suit thing, and he put his arm around the side of my head and stuck his fingernail in my ear. Gross. Like, that's how he got my attention. Ugh. I didn't know he was there. And Ugh. all of the people that I was with, it was people from work, and they were laughing hysterically because I was about to die. I made the mistake of wearing a pink shirt. To go to a haunted house. So I stood out like a sore thumb and all of the creepy people came to me because they're like, oh, she's innocent in her pink bubblegum shirt. Let's go scare the living crap out of her. And they did. How nice of them. Mm -hmm. So good of them to be looking out for you. Yeah. So anyway, do you guys go to haunted houses? I want to know. What haunted houses do you go to? Are they good ones or are they cheesy? Cheesy's better. very good. I'm down with cheesy. You know, <laughs> I just oh. don't, I don't think I'm going to do one this year. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. We've told enough scary stories that I'm don't want to like, you know, I'm good. It's fine. I'll it's watch some fine. scary movies at home by myself Yeah, or not by myself, but at no. home, like do it at home. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. So that was fun, guys. That was creepy and terrifying. and hmm. okay. I didn't like that story, Erin. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's but probably if... the worst one we've ever had. Really? Yeah, I think... I think so. It's the scariest one, I think. I don't think so. I think Dear David's still pretty on up. Because it's a David. demon child with a dented head? Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. 
You can let us know what you think, guys. Yeah, was I'd love a, to know what you was think this is a scary the scariest. Story? Was this, this a was bad? bad. One? Like, this was that was bad. It was bad. All right. Well, in the best way. Yeah, in the best way. <laughs> If you think that this episode was bad in the best of ways, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review and or a five-star rating and an awesome review. Mm-hmm. Let your friends know. Leaving us ratings and reviews in your favorite podcast listening app is how we keep going and growing and scaring the pants off of people all around the globe. Yep. I have nothing else to say. Me either. You guys, stay safe out there. It's creepy. Yep. Dom stay away from demon houses. Yep, wear your bravery pants. Be strong. Courage. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Girls and Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe to Girls and Ghouls on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review or tell us how scared you were on social media. You can tag us with hashtag Girls and Ghouls or tag us at Girls and Ghouls. Until next time, stay scared, friends.